0: Go everyone, welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast 2.0. I am your host, Wobby. It's Mike Wobshaw, joined by my usual cast of characters, Giles and Chase, episode 17 of the Wobcast 2.0, pillaged by the Packers. Ouch, 41 to 17 at Lambeau Field, a house of horrors ordinarily for the Minnesota Vikings, very much so. Uh, last weekend, as the Vikings lose the game and fall to 12 and four on episode 17 of the Wobcast 2.0. We will review the blowout at Lambeau and the implications it has for the Minnesota Vikings with the playoffs fast approaching. We'll take a quick peek at the Chicago Bears. Vikings next opponent and final opponent of the regular season and of course we'll talk playoffs before we get you out of here on episode 17 of the Wobcast 2.0 we're glad you're here and we're glad you're listening but let's begin this episode guys by acknowledging uh, the somber and scary way that week 17 came to a conclusion and that was the injury to DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills very early on in the Monday night football game between the Bills and the Bengals Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, of course, uh, primary in everyone's mind is the health of Damar and of everyone involved there. And I know that's that's uh, certainly what you guys were thinking about too on Monday night and Tuesday and even still today. Uh, I was sitting at home watching, watching the game, I actually had to get in my car and drive and uh, pick up uh, someone from Boy Scouts, pick up uh, our son from Boy Scouts. So um, while I was doing that, like i've got the game on the radio and like i i left like right after this happened you know so like my eyes were glued to the tv but i had to go so it's like i was listening to it on the radio get back home and it's still kind of going on and eventually it got to the point where i'm like we're not going to really learn anymore tonight so like i'm Mm -hmm. you know going to turn this off and carry on and then wake up in the morning and try and catch some updates but definitely a where were you moment i think for football fans uh, seeing that thing go down. So what, what was your guys' experience uh, watching that unfold?
1: Yeah, that was super heavy. Um, I know there's a, a psychological uh, loss, so to speak, that happens when you experience something traumatic, whether it happens to you or it happens to someone else. As long as you're involved, it it presents a level of shock. Uh, yeah. That definitely happened to me. It was like, is this actually happening? Like, yeah. almost like you flip the channel, like, oh, did I, did I actually go to the wrong channel? I'm watching something else. Yeah. Uh, super unfortunate for everyone involved. Um, it was just tough all the way around, yep. Um, yep. but glad to hear that seemingly things are trending in the right direction for his health. Um uh, it appears that way. Yep. Um, so that's obviously a huge godsend, um, cause there was definitely moments there where that may not necessarily have been, um, super likely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um. It had a different, um, you know, we we watch enough games, you see guys get carted off and sometimes you even see an ambulance on the field, you know, I'd say maybe, maybe once a season, you see that. I I don't know really what the number would be, but like, we've seen that, Mm -hmm. but this always from the very moment you saw it, it had a different look and feel to it. And, um, and and maybe someone with a keen medical um, sense knew it was a cardiac event. Uh, right away. I didn't know that right away. I immediately went to head injury, you know, and Mm -hmm. it might've been that too. We we may find out that it might, it was that also. Um, but clearly it became a cardiac, uh, breathing event when they said that CPR was being administered for nine minutes. And that to me was the chilling moment where I'm like, Whoa,
1: this is serious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's always serious when someone gets hurt, but I mean, CPR for nine minutes on the field, um, bad deal. So yeah hoping hoping he can pull through and and recover not just in a football sense in a everyday life functionality sense first uh hopefully he can he can fully recover and and then secondarily would be great to see him back on a field that would be an inspirational story but um that's neither yeah. here nor there for now uh for now it's um getting that guy um conscious and and get him back back up full speed as as soon as they can so thoughts and prayers with him uh, yeah. on that situation a tough one and Uh, A part of the game that we all love uh, is injuries, but not to that level, right? No,
1: no, I completely agree. It's a whole nother level. I think whenever you see another player from another team get hurt, you're like, oh man, it'll be easier for us to win. And usually it's like they twisted their ankle or something, which is maybe too revealing. But like, usually it's just something relatively minor. But this, everyone involved recognized pretty quick that this is a different story. This is very serious. Yep, Um, It's not just them tweaking an ankle and have to go out for a couple of plays. Like this is this is big.
0: Yeah. So I, I know you guys and people listening to us have been thinking about this and watching it for a long time. Um and certainly have um have Damar Hamlin's health and well being primary uh for a concern. Um so that that's how everyone feels about it. Um less important but still important uh is week 18 and what happens to that Bill's Bengals game and uh, what's the impact on the standings and the rest of the league. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, And so if you don't have the stomach or appetite quite yet for that, um, we hope to see on the next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. But uh, the rest of this one, uh, after wishing uh, Damar Hamlin well, we're going to we're going to talk football. Um, And for us, uh, most important in that conversation is the Minnesota Vikings. And um, coming off a very difficult performance to watch. Guys, the final score was 4117. It felt like it was you know 41 nothing uh, at the end of the game. like I, the two touchdowns they scored to me were meaningless. Um, and uh, that that was it was you got pillaged. that's the episode or the the title of the episode. It was a drubbing at the hands of a team that had a lot to lose. Uh, in the Green Bay Packers, and they refused to do so. Um, And they they came out and performed really well. Um, Initial overall thoughts on that performance? What's your level of panic, Giles, um, after watching that, knowing what was on the line?
1: That's a really good question, because I went into that game thinking it was a big opportunity for us in a lot of mm-hmm. categories um, to show off to the national media, to show off to our conference that we are in charge, um, and even to ourselves that we have the ability to go to the distance. And mm-hmm. um, hindsight's twenty twenty, That did not happen. Um, yeah. That was uh, a big loss at center stage. Um, mm-hmm. And I do mean that as a very careful transition. I think... Uh, when I think about my level of panic although that was a drubbing that was a pillaging I don't necessarily uh, let that affect my long-term view long-term as in the rest of the season uh, of the Minnesota Vikings because I yeah. think some very specific things went wrong that made everything snowball into a a very very poor performance uh, the first is uh, Austin Slootman getting hurt yeah. um, and us putting in not only our second but our third string center um, one that's He was not prepared, and I get it. He's our third string guy. (laughs) I I don't mean to be mean, but he was very clearly not prepared. He's never played center a day in his life, at least in an NFL snap. So I I get part of it, but he caused the train wreck of many plays. He snapped the ball too early. He snapped the ball too late. He uh, threw it off time to Kirk, where I almost fumbled it. Like there was some very uh, severe issues with that, and I think it's hard for any team in the NFL to win a game like that against a a defense like that with a third string center like not many teams are going to be able to overcome that especially our team I think we have a lot of strengths a lot of weaknesses especially as you isolate that to the quarterback position Kirk is who he is we've talked about that all season he has a lot of big highs he has some relatively low lows and one of those is he needs to be protected and we got rid of the one of the most important positions in the offensive line I mean uh, maybe you would disagree, but I've always viewed the center position as one of the smartest guys on the team, one of yeah. the toughest guys on the team, because you're having to call up protections. Although the quarterback can override that decision, it's your job to call protections, keep the snap count. That's your role. And he failed. Um, in my opinion, I'm not saying that we would have won had those things not happened, but I do think we lost because that happened, if yeah. that makes sense. I, I think yeah. both can be true. Um, I'm yeah. not saying that we should have won that game, but we definitely lost it because of that. Um, so yeah that's my my first take i have a few other thoughts about the game okay
0: well um let's get to those i think you're right though about the center position being one of the most important or the guy being one of the smartest and the it's you know the importance of that position is is twofold because first of all you need to know the play Mm-hmm. And what not just you need to do, but what the guys next to you are doing, what the tackles are doing, mm-hmm. uh, where to slide the back in protection, all that. like mm-hmm. so it's the mental, it's the chess game. So you got to play chess, mm-hmm. okay? And And 90% of that chess game is pre-snap, okay? But instantly when that game is over, you also now are in the middle of the trenches, which is the mm-hmm. toughest place to play in the game. To begin with so you have that huge game to play pre-snap and once the ball is snapped now you got another big one to play and yep. by the way you're going against like a 350 or 330 320 pound lineman most of the time yep. right kenny and clark is a yep beast. and you're starting with with literally one hand t- you know on the ground mm-hmm. on the football and yep. the other guy is starting full bore Yep. so i mean it is an extremely difficult position to play yep. mentally and then physically all at the same time Yep. and you weren't even didn't even have your backup center you had your third string center doing yep. it and at you're Atlanta. behind at that point right so now yeah. you have so, that
1: added pressure that not only am i trying to maintain the lead i need to come back
0: yeah and so not to like overemphasize the importance of this position or make too extreme of a, of a position out of it but like um you're almost more hampered when that happens to you than if you took, you know, Adam Thielen out or Dalvin Cook out. I, I would say you are. You are more hampered. Uh, Especially in our offense. Yeah. So that was a big deal when that happened. It didn't help that Brian O'Neill also got hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was a, a snowball effect for sure.
1: Even how that relates to the game plan, because you go yep. into the game plan planning protections. Obviously, yeah. you shift those on the fly sometimes, but now you cannot rely on the entire right side of your offensive yeah. line like you may have planned to
0: yeah so you know the vikings took you know took enough bullets uh uh on sunday Giles. but i'm gonna throw some more at you i had a bad feeling about the game though even before all that happened like mm-hmm. great that they got a, got points right away early and took a three nothing lead but to start inside the five the way they did i think they started on the one and not not get a touchdown out of that and then to give up a kickoff return after that uh, Mm -hmm. I thought right there, that was a bad, a bad omen for, for the Mm -hmm. game. I was already wondering if Green Bay was going to be able to, you know, probably win this game a lot on the line. It's Aaron Rodgers at home in December slash January. It just felt like a good spot for Green Bay. And then those things happened very early on. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I think this has a shot to be Green Bay's day. So even before the injuries up front Giles, I thought the Vikings were really up against it. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, definitely shared that opinion um, uh, throughout the course of the game because you could feel it slipping through our fingers. Now, uh, when I look at games and when I look at the things that fail, I try to take it from a, I mean, I try to take it from a a very logical perspective on what is fixable, what is not. Is this something to be concerned about or is this more or less a fluke, right? Mm Because fluky things are going to happen in the NFL. It just happens, period. You can't. You can't take them away. You can't give them back. Like, they just happen. Um, But also, it's not necessarily something to expect moving forward when you think about the process element of a team. And when I looked at this game, and correct me if you would disagree with this, because this is kind of a take. It's not fact. But I think, and it's going to sound a little bit crazy, but I Mm -hmm. think the cleats on the Minnesota Vikings feet played a far bigger role in us losing the game than a lot of people recognize. Um, I think early in the week, it wasn't super widely reported, but uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, issued a request to the team that, hey, I forget the exact type of cleat, but I I think you should wear this cleat on this turf because it's going to be yeah. slippery. It's going to be cold out. Here's what we recommend. Um, I think he did the right call on not requiring that because it really is a damned if you do, damned if you don't type scenario where if you wear the wrong cleat and you're not com- or if you wear the wrong cleat you might slip around but if you wear the right cleat but you're not comfortable with it you can get injured right yes. if you're not comfortable that's very yeah. dangerous especially yeah. in this game especially for someone like Justin Jefferson and when you go into the analysis of this game from that perspective that a lot of the players did not follow the advice of the coach not saying they made the wrong decision but they did not follow the advice um all or at least almost all the plays that i saw that gave up big plays or us not being able to complete uh, a red zone touchdown there was a ton of slipping and sliding going around and when you look at the green bay packers none of them were sliding now yeah. i'm not saying like once again oh they would have won the game if they wore different yeah. cleats but i do think that made them lose
0: yeah i
1: think when you think about they were relatively even teams. If you want to call a spade, a spade, maybe the Vikings were a little bit better in some positions, vi- uh, Packers and others, yeah. but I think cleats took them down a notch or two where they were having to play against themselves on top of an already difficult game. Sure. Does that makes sense.
0: Yep. That makes sense. And you know, when, when, when home field advantage is talked about, I think more times than not people think about crowd noise mm-hmm. and after crowd noise, people might think about travel like airplane to bus, um, to hotel bed, to you know, just being off routine secondarily, uh, when people think about home field advantage, mm-hmm. I think they think about that now home teams stay in the hotel the night before a game too. So, but whatever, that's <laughs> neither here nor there, but, um, but what you're talking about is actually a more practical, a uh, function of home field advantage, maybe than the traveling on an airplane and a bus and a hotel room is, um, yeah. and that is, you know, footing. Familiarity with the playing surface, the wind conditions, whatever it might be. Um, Predictability. Yep. Yeah. Um, so interesting take. Um, I, I I wouldn't poke many holes in that. Uh, I, I truthfully, I didn't know some of the uh, detail or nuance of that, that that had happened. Um, you know, I, I know O'Connell recommended certain footwear. I didn't know what, you know, what the response was from the team and who was and who wasn't doing it. Uh, you're totally right that that's a damned if you do damned if you don't proposition for the coach right because i mean all you can do is there in that situation it is what o'connell did and yep. recommend it right so um
1: and we also had some injuries throughout the game yeah <laughs> now i haven't so, confirmed that brown right. and he was wearing the right cleats but yeah, if he was right. that's an unfortunate scenario
0: yep it is and so i i kind of sense where you're going right now giles with you know, the game being forty one to three at one point, ending forty one to seventeen. Packers are hot. Vikings are cold. The playoffs are coming, Vikings fans being predispositioned to anticipate a letdown and panics coming into the picture here for folks, but you're not sensing that. Two of your your first two takes were about injuries up front and you know, probably going to have Garrett Bradbury back for the playoffs. Looks like O'Neill, perhaps not. Uh, footing slash home field advantage will not be a problem for the Vikings, um, in the playoffs, at least not in the first round. So I kind of sense where you're going here that you're not panicking, that you're not overly concerned about what happened in Lambeau Field. But if you had more observations to get to, let's hit them now.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you're absolutely correct. I'm not concerned moving forward. Now, uh, I'll explain why, because I think normally if the offensive line or at least half of it, went out an injury, that'd be a big concern for me. And normally I would say our season's over because yeah. uh, our quarterback is Kirk Cousins and among a lot of things he needs to be protected if we're gonna be able to, to score and move the yeah. ball. Um, so normally I would say, oh, this is not gonna work well. Um, Chris Reed, uh, we're gonna go to him first cause he's gonna be more than likely the backup center until Garrett Bradbury comes back. Now yep. I'm hoping that he comes back for the playoffs but for the sake of this argument, we'll assume that he's not coming back anytime soon. um because i mean they haven't they haven't uh mentioned anything about him i'm hoping that he does but at least for the bears game uh we have chris reed chris reed has never played center before um period and i don't mean that as a slight against him it's just a matter of reality he has not played center before other than in practice and preseason um he has however played guard so it's not like he's a tackle moving inside to center um so he has the build like a center. In fact, yeah. he has the, yeah. the build of a lot of amazing centers. When you look at the physicality of a, a great center, if you're looking at the physical piece of a center, he fits that mold. Uh, but really the center position requires two things. It requires a physicality. It requires a, a specific mentality. Now, he was unprepared, period. That is his fault. He was not prepared for the can- uh, snap count. He, he was not prepared to play the center position. However, when I think about preparation, that doesn't mean necessarily laziness. That means you prepared wrong. I am interested to see if he can fix the mentality piece by the Bears game, or if he can learn the snap count. If he needs to go over to Kirk Cousins house every night this week and practice in the backyard, do it, (laughs) get up to speed on the snap counts. Because when it comes to the physicality, I am not concerned about Chris Reed. He was actually above average, if not elite when he was with the Indianapolis Colts, when Quinton Nelson went down as a guard, he, uh, I believe graded out above a 70 in pass protection, Mm, uh, like, He was a great guard um, when he didn't have to snap the ball. So like physicality wise, um, is he elite in every category? No, but I don't view him as a train wreck that that most people might view him as. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk by that if he can fix the mental piece. If he can go to Kirk Cousins' house every night this week and fix the snap count, I don't see it as much of an issue as most people are looking at it. I may be proven wrong, but that's my position. Yeah. I'm not as concerned in that, especially if we can get Garrett Bradbury back by the playoffs. So that covers the interior side of the offensive line. Moving yeah. out to the outside. Unfortunately, Brian O'Neill is out for the season. Yeah. Technically, if he's out for the minimum amount of time and his injury is just minimal enough, he could come back for the Super Bowl if we make it. That is when he is eligible to come back, when we're playing the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe the Buffalo Bills for a rematch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, he is not playing. So we need to be able to make it the distance without Brian O'Neill. So in comes Oli Udo. Now, that is a swear word in a lot of Minnesota Vikings households, yep. right? He yeah, is yep. uh, not a great conversation piece when it came, to, it came to his performance last year at guard. But I do want to emphasize that. He was playing guard, he is a tackle.
0: He's a tackle, for sure. I he, was around him. I know him. Yep, yep. Yeah. He's a tackle. He's
1: a big old dude. He is not only uh, very, very tall. He's very, very stout. He also, I believe, is in the 99th percentile in the NFL for wingspan. Um, hmm. Like, he is the almost the epitome of building the perfect physicality for a tackle. Um, hmm. Now, can he learn the position because he hasn't really played that much? That will be cease to be seen. But it's not like he will have the same issues that he had playing guard. Because really when you're playing guard, you wanna be more shorter and stout and you wanna have a, a low center of gravity. Yeah, and yep, he's a guy yep. that already sets pretty high and he's obviously a big dude. So yeah. it was a lot to ask him to play guard. And I all the, the things that happened to him, I almost expected, like you're asking a tackle, a big tackle to play guard. Those are the issues they're gonna have happen. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna get caught holding because he, people are gonna get by him because he's too big. All that to say, I'm not concerned about him playing tackle. In fact, I'm actually cautiously optimistic. Now, I'm going to reveal one of the PFF grades. Um, It's not in the top five, but it's also not in the bottom five. Olu Udo graded out at a 69.8 PFF grade uh, throughout the course of the game. He had a 74 pass protection protection grade.
0: He wasn't a train wreck. Yeah, not at all. Not even close, right? Uh, If you're just looking at the grade, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. so, so, um, what you need to avoid though is, and I don't know how they would weight this, but mm-hmm. like, we, we talk about this with past rushers and I think we need to talk about this with past protectors too, where mm-hmm. it's like, and I, we were talking about this with some of the Vikings rushers a couple of weeks ago where they, they weren't grading well, but mm-hmm. I think it was Daniel Hunter, but he had a strip sack in the game and I'm yeah. like, Daniel can have, you know. 17 bad snaps but if he's got two strip sacks in that game I mean his grade might have been 58 but he had two strip sacks in the game so I mean he affected the game right and so the the inverse can be true with Ole so it's like great you know 74 pass pro but like if he has one or two catastrophic plays that can ruin Mm -hmm. the game so as long as you can manage your way around that Mm -hmm. it sounds like Udo's got for the balance of the game has a shot to you know have a good accounting of himself and if he did it short notice spur of the moment on the road at Lambeau, he can definitely do it with a week of prep against the Mm -hmm. bears. And most certainly can do it at home with two and a half weeks of prep for the giants.
1: Yep. And my biggest request of anyone on the offensive line, don't be a train wreck. Yeah. Like we were doing great there for a while where we had premier bookend tackles. Christian yep. Darasaw may be the best left tackle in business. Yep. You may disagree, but he's one of the best. He's up Ryan there. I O'Neal I was the top two. 10 at least.
0: I think yeah, I had you, him number two.
1: Yeah. I think he's number one, but that's not that
0: you're there. You were a big Trent Williams guy though before we had Darasaw. You also wanted Trent Williams. Well, Trent when, Williams right. is a
1: showstopper. I completely yep. agree. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm partially letting salary cap affect that um, when I think about the best tackle because Christian Darasaw is on a rookie contract and yep. I view. Uh, Trent Williams and Christian saw on the same conversation, but yeah, for sure. comparing, you know, splitting hairs. But yep. the point is we had great scenario with bookend tackles because Brian O'Neill was another amazing tackle. Both were top 10, in my opinion, when it comes to tackles. So now we don't have that. We don't have a top 10 right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um So it is what it is. Uh, I just need our right tackle not to be a train wreck because I think when you look at years past when Kirk Cousins really, really struggled, he struggled when we had a train wreck position. I can deal if all of them grade out at a, a 55 or a 60. The issue is when they start grading out at a, a 29 or a 43, right? Where yeah. you were a train wreck. Cause then yeah. we can't overcome that pressure. As long as we have just enough time to throw the ball, I think we can, we can muddle our way through this, especially considering we have a, a super creative head coach that understands that this is now a limitation let's go scheme around this
0: yeah i think brad childress always said about the quarterbacks like one of the first things is can you make the routine plays routinely Mm -hmm. and i think what you're saying is you know Ole, chris reed the routine things you need to be able to do it routinely we have to count on you to do that every time you know um because you're right giles predictability matters and if you know what you have to manage around and you know who you have to uh, game plan for or against that that is is a big positive it's Mm -hmm. the surprises and you know the extreme the troughs uh, you know the valleys that's that's what can kill you so yeah I you know I, I think that you're coming at this with a reasonable approach a sensible approach to it i think it'd be really easy to panic with you know brian o'neill out third string or backup center playing like that's that's panic area for a lot of folks who Mm -hmm. don't just who who watch football and don't just watch where the ball goes they watch other things Mm -hmm. they could panic about this situation i think you're coming at it with a sensible approach and i absolutely think for as much of a mike zimmer guy as i was and am i think that he would be able to manage his way through similar situations like this on defense mm-hmm. um, on offense. It is absolutely an advantage for the Vikings that they have Kevin O'Connell, who, as mm-hmm. you said, Giles, is creative. He's not hard-headed or stubborn. He's mm-hmm. innovative and creative and open-minded, and that's mm-hmm. going to allow him the potential to get around this. I'm not yeah. saying he will, but yeah. he's going to have the potential to do so because of that, sort of you know he's got that like like we i think creativity is the right word for it but you know he's just got the ability to be open minded he's not like this is the way we do things cuz it's always it's how mm-hmm. we have always done it and it's always how we're going to do it he doesn't have yep. that yet yep. he he's like creative and open minded and he'll i think he's going to find a way to scheme around this yep the more difficult one is the center um mm-hmm. i think the right tackle is the easier one you know you're not asking right tackles to call out signals you're not asking them to you know a pull or trap much um you know they got to look out for a stunt here and there but um you know you're a little more out on an island there and, and it's all about athleticism the center is the difficult one um and hopefully he's got you know his sleeping bag at the cousins residence uh this week and you know he's getting on the same page with the quarterback
1: i could not agree more um i think they will know pretty quickly throughout the course of this week if it'll work or not. It'll either yeah. be fine, like, oh, once he got practice, he was fine with the snap counts, or it'll be clear, oh, this isn't gonna work. Um, and that's where I think the rubber will really meet the road with uh, Quezia Mensa. Yeah. Do you just decide, all right, well, this is, it is what it is. We were hoping for better, but this is the the, the cars that we were dealt so we got to move forward yeah. with it or does he try to go make a move to further continue this run towards a super bowl in 2022 um now this is pure speculation um uh, but the name jc treder comes to mind yeah. he was a huge name in the off season there was even rumors that he had called the vikings saying hey i'm willing to play with you yeah. and there was rumors back that we apparently didn't even call him back Now, there were people that were for and against it all over the board, people that weren't believers in Garrett Bradbury. But now, having seen what they were able to do with Garrett Bradbury, um, I partially understand why they didn't pursue J.C. Treader, especially considering what his cap hit would have been. Um, But if they determine that Chris Reed is not the guy, if that happens, I'm not saying it will, but if it does, if he's not the guy and Garrett Bradbury is not able to come back for at least half of the playoff games, I'm interested to see if the Vikings would make a call to JC Tretter and say, "Hey, come out of retirement for four games. You were already one of the best centers in football. I mean, your cap hit is already going to be smaller simply because you're going to be playing a smaller sample size. Um, you've gotten a full season, so to speak, to rest up. Come play us for play with us for a few games because yeah. Quezzi already has a relationship with JC. Um, there's a whole a whole uh, slew of connections there. Do um, we try to make a run at this?
0: Yeah, interesting." Yeah, I think if that happens, it's it's a pretty, you know, that's a big indictment on what they think of Chris Reed being able mm-hmm. to do that. Um, bringing a guy off, we talked about this with Odell Beckham Jr. Although he's coming off of an injury, not just a layoff, but also an injury. Treader, I don't believe is he's just a, kind of a layoff. Very mm-hmm. difficult though to come in off the street like that, in that spot, and you know, and make it work but again if it's just so terrible that you can't stand it with reed <clears throat> you know it's certainly a consideration so yeah yep. yeah
1: cuz i mean if he's maintained his physicality throughout the offseason if he's maintained a good position he was one one of the best if not the best pass protector in the center position in all the national football league for like the last five or six seasons so yep. like even if you can get a yep. percentage of that you are maybe even upgrading in a a certain capacity where now that gives you a little bit more leverage to be able to make a run this year. Um, But that's all speculation. I really hope that Chris Reed uh, is able to show up in that category because another reckless speculation, if he does pick it up, if he's able to figure out the the snap count and actually perform in the run in the pass, you can make an argument that he could win the center job for next year because Garrett Bradbury is in a contract year. Hmm. And maybe they resound him, maybe they don't. But if Chris Reed shows up, there's a chance that maybe they continue with him. Now that's speculation and that requires him to play well, but if he's able to pick it up, he may be able to win himself a job next year.
0: Interesting. Yep. Yep. Um, And it would be a little bit of a loss to, I don't know that you would say in that scenario, Giles, that Bradbury Mm -hmm. was a miss. You can kind of maybe say that because he was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. but it's a significant hit if it's happens on the Chris Reed side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a hit, you know, so um, that's that's off season fodder. That's offseason uh, yeah. episode of the Wobcast. That will definitely be a topic that we address. Um, and we'll see what happens next week against the Bears. Um, that'll be a little bit of a litmus test um, for whatever solution the Vikings want to try first um, for the first round of the playoffs, because we know now that they will be playing uh, in the first round of the playoffs and they'll be playing at home. So, um, so they're going to have to come up with a solution pretty fast. Um, anything else offensively from Vikings Packers debacle that we need to hit before we talk grades?
1: Um, no, honestly, I mean, this is kind of a throwaway game though. So many things went wrong. It's hard to really throw Mm -hmm. a litmus test at this.
0: Isn't it interesting that so many of the wins are close one score wins and the losses are just atrocious like throw away draw a line through it anomalies isn't isn't yeah. that it's weird that,
1: that is very interesting um i almost have two takes from that because one it seems like they go in with a pretty strong game plan and in a lot of scenarios it worked like this is our creativity yeah. getting applied we're gonna go attack this team this way and we're gonna make it happen and we're good on the fringes so we make it happen um, so that's point number one point. Number two, uh, a common denominator, at least, uh, among three, well, at least two of the losses we had offensive line injuries mid game.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's true. That Dallas, train wrecked the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dallas and green Bay for sure. Um, Detroit, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the, and, and the Dallas one was the, you know, was the left tackle. I mean, yep. anyone could see that issue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that...
1: and it's and it's also uh, important to look at those games in a vacuum in some sense, because some people look at that huge disparity in score like three to 41. Oh, my gosh, you got trucked. Well, uh, the, the Cowboys, for this example, had a full mm-hmm. four quarters to score that many points. We put in our backups like in the middle of the third quarter. So really, we played a half of a game. So yeah. like. I mean, we weren't in it to go score a bunch more points. You know what I mean? So, like, it is hard to say, oh, well, there's that big of a a point differential. We lost the game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to excuse the Vikings. But it's easier to look at those games and say, whoa, it was way worse than it was when, really, we decided to give up midway through. And you can make even the same argument among the Packers game is that it got a hand pretty quickly, and then they made it. Needed to make a decision. Do we try to win the game or do we give up? And then more injuries started happening and the game gets away from you. Right. So then a snowball effect happens. So I do think it is really interesting to see our team kind of handle games that way. And I'm hoping that we can prevent those come playoff time, because I think if you can prevent the snowball effect. I really truly think we have the ability to go toe to toe with any team in the NFL. We have the ability to score games. We have the ability to open up our playbook to really be creative and attack a team in a lot of different ways. However, when you get behind by 40 points, you become very one dimensional, very quick. Well, and yeah, you cannot win games that way.
0: Well, I think it's interesting. You said, if we can stop the snowball effect from happening the way I would finish that sentence is, you know, they can come back and win. I mean, they, they did it. I mean, the there's been so many of them, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think if you were another team playing the Vikings, you know, and your team was up 14, 17 or 20, 24, you know, with any sort of significant chunk of time left, you would say, well, no lead is safe against this team this year. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what yep. you would say. Yep. Um, so this team does have the ability to come back and the will to come back and the confidence that they can do it. So yep. Yep. yeah, you're right. If you can prevent the snowball effect, you're probably going to be in the game to win the game at the very end. It's going to come down to the last possession. That's what you know. 80% of the Vikings season has been. Yep. Um, and the playoffs are are more likely to be that way anyway um mm-hmm. so yeah. it stands for reason the vikings are going to be in some nail biters uh once the postseason arrives so yeah um, and if i and- were to
1: remove your your memory from this entire past game and i told you the game ended like 27 to 17 i think people have a very different opinion of what this game was like oh it was yeah. a somewhat of a close game but we couldn't come back right versus yeah. oh you got blown out and yeah. when i look at this game at least 14 if not 17 of the points happened in a fluke capacity Now, we can't give them away or take them back, right? They happened, Um, but one was a a punt return kickback. I mean, that's hard to predict, and those are kind of fluky. Uh, An interception for a pick six, people were slipping around, missing tackles. Like, those are fluky things. So, really, I mean, had those things not happened, it's a much closer game, really. I mean, I think we were able to stop them in a lot of categories. When you think about even the, the major categories of a game when you think about yards per play yards per pass attempt yards per rush attempt um total yards achieved most people don't recognize this but the vikings won in every single one of those categories Mm -hmm. except for points we Mm -hmm. won in we had more yards per attempt more yards per pass attempt more yards per rush attempt we were winning and that also is a partially a credit to defense but more of a uh, an admiration to the offense we were doing a relatively decent job considering we just made too many mistakes and let uh, it snowball
0: yeah and and the stats on if you give up a special teams touchdown the the chances of you winning are you know i don't know what they i used to know this when i was inside the ropes i don't know what they are now but it was like you're an 85 percent winner if you score yeah. on special teams if yeah. you score on defense you know you're like a 75 percent winner mm-hmm. i mean you do both I mean, yep. you know, you got to figure in the upper 90s. Right. And then, oh, yeah, it's tack on, you know, um, and you don't score a touchdown when you're on the one you give up a pick six, you give up a kickoff return. I mean, that is a snowball effect right there. I mean, I, I don't yep. know how you how you overcome that. And and they didn't. So, yeah, um, I, I'm curious on the grades on offense, though, Giles, before we touch on a few things defensively, because I don't I don't want to stop talking about this game and move on to the Bears and the Giants until we talk defense, too, for the Vikings. But before we yep. do that, let's go to the grades on offense.
1: So I am going to preface this with the two top players. Mm-hmm. Um, they are Jalen Naylor and Nick Mullins. Now, they yeah. played a very, very small sample size, yeah. but they graded out at a respective 96.0 for mm-hmm. Jalen Naylor. And a ninety point zero for Nick Mullins.
0: Okay. Um,
1: can't can't really commend them too much, but they didn't train wreck. Yeah. I guess is the right. point. So that gives me right. some some confidence in our backups. I think Jalen Naylor has a good future with us. So outside of the top two, now we're going to go down to the 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 next three. We'll consider the top three for most of the starters. Who do you think had the best games? Chase, do you have an um, opinion? That's hard. Um, Did KJ score that second touchdown? Ding, 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 ding. He was the number one overall graded player with a 75.8 grade. That's the only one I got though. (laughs) (laughs) I I did not see a lot of good, uh, anything worthy of top three from anyone else. So (laughs)
0: I'll leave this one up to Wabi. K- KJ for sure was on my list, uh, because he caught every target. Um, I thought he looked good and had a good game. I, I think Hawkinson's got to be up there. No. Yeah. Number two, I, uh, yeah. he graded
1: out at a 73.0 grade.
0: Yep. Um, I thought Hawkinson looked good. Um, and then I don't know. Uh, the, the other one I I, w- I was sure on Hawkinson and Osborne, the other one I'd be guessing on and I would go to the tried and true, uh, Derisaw
1: he was just outside of that um he graded out at a 65.4 grade Mm -hmm. he had a little bit of a rough game in the run game um i'm meaning to go back in the tape and look at what happened did fine in pass protection but i got dinged a little bit in the run game uh so it was a overall 65.4 grade um so it was not him um i will uh give you a hint this is technically not a starter on our offense but Hmm. a contributor
0: Hmm. Madison
1: ding 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 he was the third overall graded player with a 71.6 grade
0: um
1: Did pretty good. Honestly, I think he's earning himself another contract. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to be in purple, uh, but I think he's going to be a starter potentially somewhere around the NFL. He's been a great backup. It's been exciting to see him, you know, flourish in that capacity He's had a pretty decent year. Um, So we got KJ TJ and Alexander Madison for our top three PFF graded players.
0: Let's let's um, get off topic a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Because you mentioned Madison. Are we sure? that dalvin's here next year and what's the contract going to be for madison because i would hear an argument of trade the superstar and give madison the money save money there and use Mm -hmm. those resources elsewhere
1: so i'm hearing what you're saying Mm -hmm. uh what do you think you could get back for dalvin
0: not what you would hope or think
1: not like a christian mccaffrey
0: no, I don't think you, I don't think you get that type of compensation back at all. Do you? Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't think so.
1: So. Yeah, uh, so. I might have had a different answer at the beginning of this season because I was expecting them to use him a lot more, um, both in the run and the pass. I expected him uh, to be more of a wide back this year, and they haven't. And I can't tell if they're saving that in their playbook for playoff time or if that's simply not working. Because I was expecting him to be Todd Gurley. Because I still think he has it. I think he's still... Uh, a fast player. I think he's very elusive. He knows how to read, uh, lanes very, very well. He is an elite running back. He's not top one or two or even three yet, uh, still, but he is still a great running back, but I don't think he commands, uh, Christian McCaffrey type, uh, picks, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you, uh, this again, this we're, we're, we're going off into the off season right now. We need to stay on task here, but, um, this is a juicy one. I wonder if the Rams have a second round pick this year. They've done a lot of trading, so I don't know if they do. But the Rams have had a hard time here at running back, and the Rams love to acquire a proven commodity in exchange for the unknown of a draft pick, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: O'Connell and McVeigh and Les Snead and Quezzy. Yep. I don't
1: in know. A division that already has great running backs and good yeah. running games.
0: Yeah. So. I wonder if that could happen dalvin for a two re-sign madison and now now you've got a second round an extra second round pick
1: honestly uh i think there's two paths forward with dalvin either you do that because our system doesn't require an elite running back to be successful the run game um or you go to dalvin and say you're not going to be in the team we're either going to cut you or we're going to trade you if you want to remain at purple you need to take a severe pay cut
0: okay uh but
1: at his current cap it especially next year's cap it i don't think he exists in purple so he either takes a tremendous pay cut or he gets traded
0: okay let's table this discussion for the offseason because this this is off-season discussion and we we can't be distracted but um (laughs) and i know you i know you were going to try and see if the rams had a second round pick but um and and I, i like dalvin don't get me wrong i think he's a special player um i just i don't love paying that position I don't mm-hmm. love drafting it high. And I don't love paying it. Um, Especially that type of money. Yep. So, so I don't, I don't love that. Um, And, and like we don't, the Vikings don't even just like, he doesn't just punish the other team. I mean, I always end the game being like, yeah, could probably could use Dalvin more. Like mm-hmm. that, that's what I always think every week, you know, yeah. could use Dalvin more. It's yep. like, you're paying him that much money you shouldn't be saying that after the game you should be saying yeah, I hope delvin's okay we gave him the ball a ton hope he's all right yep we're never I completely saying Completely agree yeah no. <laughs> so
1: and I can't tell why that is because i I don't think he's falling off a shelf no no you know, some I don't. people project that like I feel no, like I, it's our usage of him
0: no I think it is I think it is the usage and I think it's um I just think that O'Connell i mean he's a quarterback and he's got another quarterback O'Connell is a quarterback by trade and that's his mindset. And he's a play designer and a play caller and a quarterback. And he's got a quarterback playing for him who can absolutely execute anything that you would ask of a quarterback to execute. That is traditionally a quarterback's job. He can do like I wouldn't ask cousins to, to be a zone read or read option guy. You know, I wouldn't ask him nope. to be a scrambler and all that. But from the traditional sense. He can do everything you want. He can make every throw. He can make every read. He's seen it all. He's seen pressure. He's seen coverage. He's seen all of it. Mm -hmm. And no matter what offense you're in, you can ask Cousins to do it. So you got O'Connell as a quarterback by trade, a play caller, a play designer. He's got Cousins, and he's got Justin Jefferson. Like, he doesn't want to run the ball. Yeah. You know? No. he has Hawkinson,
1: one of the best tight ends in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to design explosive passing plays that stress – weak secondaries or put really good secondary players in dilemmas like Mm -hmm. that's what he wants to do he doesn't want to line up in 12 personnel or 13 personnel and run the ball a bunch he doesn't and everyone says they want to and of course if you could do that and succeed you would just do that that'd be the easiest way to do it but it's not what he wants to do so that's Mm -hmm. why I, i don't think they use him and that's why i don't think they should be paying him what they're paying him and that's why they shouldn't use a first or second round pick on a running back anymore Yeah.
1: And I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think part of the reason they haven't gotten him more involved in the pass game is that I don't think they practice screens enough in training camp because we've talked about it before. Screens are very reliant on precise timing. And Mm -hmm. I think Dalvin is elusive, elusive enough for that to be an effective strategy. But if you don't time that right, that can be a train wreck or people can call it out and it's it's a wash, right? And yeah, um, yeah, we yeah. haven't seen a lot of screens. We've seen a few more screens as of late, but they've been mostly with a tight end, yeah. uh, with Hawkinson. Um, so either they practice it and they're specifically holding it close to the vest for the playoffs, or they didn't do it. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest surprising things, I guess, from this season that I was expecting to see is Dalvin involved in the passing game because if you get him out into space, that's a dangerous combination. Yep. Oh, like yeah. when you think about going into the season, what assets do I have, and what? Type of pain do I want to inflict on an opposing defense? That is one of those. Getting Dalvin in space, like yeah. that's how I can crush yeah. a defense. Like, how do I make that happen? Doing yeah. a screen game and an effective one is a definitely a route to making that happen. Haven't Indeed. seen it thus far, but yeah. I, I guess knock on wood, maybe we'll see it come uh, Giants time. Yep. Yep, but uh, lastly, oh sorry, go
0: ahead. Oh no, no, I'm I'm done. What you got?
1: I pulled up the. 2023 draft picks for oh, yeah. the they Los got? Angeles Rams. I'm going to pull a, uh, a Spielman special and okay. say, let's get a second and a seventh from okay. the Rams. <laughs> you want them
0: to throw in that seventh. All right. Oh that yeah. You know, just a little icing on good. the top. I remember when we were, uh, when I was, when I was working for the team and it'd be draft night and you know, it's the second in the old days, it was a two day draft. Now it's a three day, you know, and you're trying to get out of there. Like you're trying to go home on, on mm-hmm. day two um or get you know get to the after draft the post-draft party you know and like you're trying to write write up the recaps and all that and you got spielman sitting here like getting seven six seven (laughs) picks in the sixth and seventh round was impossible for us to get out of there and get to the post-draft party come on rick yeah yeah so okay you want to throw that seventh on there giles all right sounds good um You know, get those priority free agents, right? That's, that's who they are at that point. None of those guys have draftable grades, but you don't have to compete with the other teams on the phone with signing bonuses to get them to come to your trial camp. So, okay. This is so second and a seventh for Dalvin to the Rams. I think, I think we should champion that cause once the season is over with apologies to our guy, the chef to Dalvin. Um, we like him, but we're wondering if maybe there's a better fit elsewhere for him. So anyway, um, all right. Vikings defense. Um, Let's get to the grades, and while you're pulling those up, guys, I'll I'll do some talking too on defense. You know, I thought a month ago um, there was a lot of heat on Donatel and the defense, and can't you know they're a sieve; they can't stop anyone. Fire Donatel, and we're having to defend the idea of holding on to him and how it can hurt you from an organizational standpoint and all that. So I think we're past that. Um, you know, I thought uh, there was some concerning moments um, against the Packers, but I didn't think there was anything like categorically wrong with the approach or the defense. I, I don't even think they got roasted by Rogers really that badly. Um, so I guess I don't have like, you know, a, a rubber stamp pound my fist on the table, take on the Vikings defense. I didn't love anything um, that I saw, but I didn't hate anything that I saw. I don't think it's a strong group uh, overall though. I think they got to get better in a lot of ways. And We've talked about, like, what's the thing you hang your hat on? You're really good against the run. You're a little leaky against the pass, but, man, no one can run on you, you know, or or vice versa, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or the Chicago Bears used to do this a lot. It's like, yeah, you can get yards on them and points on them, but, God, they take the ball away three times a game, mm-hmm. right, when they had Erlacher and Briggs and Tillman. I yeah. mean, man. They, Shut down defense. You, yeah, you, Yeah, I mean, they would take the ball away from you. So, like, what is the thing you hang your hat on? And the Vikings don't have that yet. They need it, though, here uh, when the playoffs start. And to me, what it is 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 Zedarius Smith and Daniil Hunter just being a pain in the ass for the other team. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, at this point, they need to go to that um, yep. and just pour their energy and their effort into that and do things around them and behind them that allow those two guys to get after the quarterback. That's what I think they should hang their hat on. And if they don't do that, I'm afraid they're just going to kind of flounder and, and Mm -hmm. be a weak, the the weak link of the team.
1: Yep. And at the end of the day, you wouldn't be leading with your assets. You know what I mean? Like you walk into a fight with your biggest strength, you know, it's like hiding them behind the the fence. Like that's just, that's stupid. Uh,
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, because it, it, it takes a lot, if those two guys are pinning their ears back and getting after you, it takes a lot to neutralize that, like that, mm-hmm. that takes a lot away from you, what you want to do, yep. you know, as opposed to like, if you just got a middle linebacker who plays with his hair on fire, and makes every tackle, like you just, that's like a little bit of a headache for you on offense. Like you got to take yep. a few Advil and just deal with that and try to go to sleep and wake up the next day and you feel better. Mm-hmm. You can deal with that with all just dis- with all due respect to Kendricks or to guys who played like that in the past, like Zach Thomas, like you mm-hmm. definitely, or Luke Kuechly. Like yeah. those guys were really good, but like that nah, didn't keep you up at night, you know, losing sleep. If you got Smith and Hunter buzzing off the edge and and smoking your quarterback, that is a problem that yep. causes you to lose sleep. And that causes you to be unable to do things that got you into the playoffs. Yep. So that that's Period. where I, I hope that they go to. Yeah. Um, now, you're probably going to tell me they graded terribly and I'm going to look like an idiot for having that opinion. I don't know how they graded against the Packers. But I think if this team makes a playoff run, Zayaria Smith and Daniil Hunter will have good grades according to PFF. So,
1: I do think that is a perfect transition into the okay. defensive grades. Uh, who right. do you think was the top three graded yeah. players on the defense?
0: I don't know. I didn't think about this. I thought about the offensive because I know you're going to ask me these questions, and and I had my offensive answers, and Chase stole my first one, but I got to use my <laughs> second one, Hawkinson. Um, man, I I don't know. Um. I'm looking at the snap share, and I, I like it again. I like the snap share that they did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, Chase, anything stand out to you? Like, I know Bynum was around the ball a bunch, so I'm inclined to say him, but I don't really believe in Bynum, and I'm a more of a Metellus guy than a Bynum guy. Um. Yeah, the one I'm thinking right off the bat, um, mainly because, like you guys said, I don't think Rodgers is really the guy that killed us. I don't think the passing game really killed us. And uh, he's kind of Mr. Reliable as of late, according to a PFF grade. So I'm going to say Duke Shelley.
1: Um. Ding, 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 ding. He was the third third highest graded player. He uh, ended the day with a 72.4 grade. Um, Did great in every category. Um, If he continues this, he is one absolutely earned himself another... Uh, uh, contract with the Minnesota Vikings because mm-hmm. I believe he's done after this year. Uh, and two, I think he's earned himself a starting job.
0: wow well, um, yeah,
1: huge. Which uh, to pause there quickly, I I was partially misleading when I said the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually looking at uh, positions two through four. The highest graded player on defense uh, on on uh, this past weekend was Cam Dantzler. Now he only played a few snaps because unfortunately he lost his starting job and i think that's more of a a praise to duke shelley than it is an indictment on cameron Dansler, because he ended the day with an 85.9 grade and he had seven snaps which it's not one snap it was seven uh he did good when he was out there uh but he lost the starting job um which is i don't know i i, I have a lot of feelings about that
0: okay so and this maybe again is another off-season topic but i don't and i need to be more measured than I've been in my past about this because I was in the building and I knew the guys and I had a lot of ground to stand on with some opinions like this, but I, I don't, I'm just not a big, and I, so I don't know him. I don't know Cam Dancler mm-hmm. personally, but from a player, I'm not a big dancer, a, the player guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. I just don't like how it looks and whatever. I really like a Caleb Evans. Um, yep, who We haven't gotten to see a lot um and i'm all about duke shelley i mean what a find i mean seriously what a find! phenomenal I mean, this this is not like finding a will linebacker or a free safety i mean you found a corner yep i, I mean you draft at, at corners, bare minimum you...
1: above average <laughs> if yeah not, for elite sure. in some categories yeah
0: yeah so i'm on the duke shelley train for sure not surprised to hear he played well in the game H- um how about peterson i i, I want to say there's a chance another corner played well Giles and chase because you look at the box score and there aren't any receivers for green bay who lit it up so tell me how peterson graded uh
1: peterson did well but was technically middle of the road from a pff grade standpoint he ended the day with a 67.0 grade did very very well in tackling uh he had a few pass rush snaps that dinged him quite a bit otherwise i think he would have been graded higher
0: okay tell me about tomlinson
1: Tomlinson uh he was top five created Can, out I'm at surprised. a 72.0 grade uh yeah. did very well across the board but um not in the top
0: three okay so i whiff on peterson and i whiff on I, i'm not gonna call tomlinson a whiff he was top five and i thought he looked good in the game too he didn't play mm-hmm. a ton um he had 63
1: so. snap or oh i'm sorry uh 34 snaps i was looking at yeah
0: five. yeah um i don't know Fill me in. Who is it? You
1: were close with Delvin Tomlinson.
0: Oh, really? So we're in the interior? Tonga?
1: Uh, I wish he graded about average. He did horrible in tackling. He had some missed tackles that dinged him a lot. He he did great across the board except for tackling. Phillips was
0: awful last week. Did he bounce back?
1: He bounced back in a big way. He had a wow. 73.4 grade. Okay, uh, Did great across the board. He was our our second overall graded player on okay. defense. So good. Uh, good great to him. see him coming back and bringing back the, uh, the Avengers uh, gauntlet mitt. So, yep. so uh, excited okay. to see him on the, the upward trajectory. That
0: That is good. Um, I think he's got a little grit to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's skilled um, and he moves well and all that, but I like his grit and he's been part of a program in Buffalo. That's sort of been, they've been winners uh, lately. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I like his pedigree. Um and I like what he brings. To the, I think he's a part of the locker room chemistry and culture that's been so positive for the Vikings. I think he's a part of that. Mm-hmm. Good to hear that he bounced back. Um, out of curiosity, how did uh, the edge rushers grade out?
1: Uh, before we get to the edge rushers, oh, okay. let's finalize yeah. on the number one. I'm giving away yeah. that they're not in the top three. Harrison, uh, Smith. Harrison Smith. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. He had a 74.5 yeah. grade. He was phenomenal in tackling. He was the best on the team. Uh, yeah. He was our number one overall graded player. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get back to your point, among edge rushers, woof.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I
1: mean woof with a capital W. Yeah. There were, I, I believe, 104 qualified edge rushers in the NFL uh, this past season. Oh, and both uh-oh. of them were the worst two.
0: Come on. What are we doing? I, what are I don't we doing? know what to take
1: away. I, like at this point, I I uh, have a lot of feelings, but that <laughs> is very clearly a misuse of them. Because when if you told me they're both healthy, um, I believe they're two of the most elite defensive players, not even at their position, but in the entire game, they're elite defensive players, and they are the worst at their positions against this. Uh, there was some viral memes going around the internet with Deniel Hunter backing off into coverage against Christian Watson, oh, like. My. Our, our coverage performed much better this game. Um, I don't know if we were intentionally sacrificing pass rush to improve coverage, but Daniil well, Hunter and Zedarius Smith were horrible. They ended the day <laughs> with a 42.5 grade for Zedarius Smith and a 36.9 grade for, um, I'm sorry, a 42.8 grade for Daniil Hunter.
0: Absolutely Giles, atrocious. Giles, you're, you're kind of jumping out of your skin here a little bit. Are you Okay. I don't know. I am. I don't know how to feel about this because
1: if you would have told me that both would have been healthy for the entire season, I would have guessed that we would have been number one in sacks, number one in pressures, and that we would be one of the most feared defensive lines in football. If you have one of those players, I think you can build a defense around that.
0: And we have two! Well... That they need to be really good, and for the Vikings to advance in the playoffs, those two guys got to be good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Phillips and Tomlinson can be awesome, and it's not mm-hmm. going to win you games. It's just Correct. not. It's not going to win you a playoff game. It can win, help you win nine or ten games in a regular season, but like, that's fine. They already got 12. They already did that. You, you got to, mm-hmm. be You got to have isolated standout performers in big moments in the playoffs to win these these isolated games. It's got to yep. be your edge rushers.
1: 100 percent and now that i've come back to earth and now that i've removed my emotion from the conversation when you look at all the snaps i think the biggest issue that we're seeing among the edge rushers is twofold one they're backing off into coverage too much and anytime you're throwing daniel hunter into coverage i get why you're doing it schematically but you are wasting him you are wasting uh, a bar of gold uh because he is that great uh but two when they're doing their uh their 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 plays on defense and when they're rushing the passer I see us trying to get too creative, where we're doing these elaborate exotic pass rushes that are getting home, but they're not getting home near fast enough. Where like, uh, for example, Zadarius Smith might be running up, uh, lining up against the, the left tackle, and he'll run over to the right tackle and rush the passer. Really cool exotic idea, but it doesn't have enough time to develop. Yeah, like we yep. are trying to get too creative. I get that you need to be creative and you can't just bull rush every time, but we are trying too exotic of blitzes okay. or you know, pass rushes.
0: So um, I'm I'm with you, I know what you're saying. Uh, you know, what about the concept that Zimmer came up, you know, the double, you know, mugging the A-gap, double A-gap pressure look with Barn Kendricks. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. what about something like that where it's like, hunter and smith both lined up on one edge you know uh both yeah. on one side yep. um you know and something like that and then you know what if you want to drop them into coverage to be different do it when you do that and then bring pressure off the other side because they're certainly going to slide protection to the side that you've doubled up on so yep. i am wondering if things like you know could try some things like that wrinkles like that if they don't work you know they can maybe be a problem but you don't have to just like keep doing them if it doesn't work don't do it anymore yeah. but like do it and if it works now you got something um so so you've it, hung around a lot more
1: nfl teams than i have when you look yeah. at something like this there's only one of two things that can be happening either ed donatel is trying to force players into his scheme and doesn't care if they fit into it yeah where he's far more scheme focused than he is player focused or yeah. they are Intentionally trying to cover up other things and sacrificing pass rush where they're saying, I understand that we're not gonna get home every time, we're not gonna get pass rush, but we're doing it so we'll make up for other things. Like, unless you're there's a th- secret option C here, it has well. to be one of those two things. Am I right?
0: <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I think you are right about that, and I think it's the latter. I think it's okay. I think it's we're gonna give up give up this to do to be better over here. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know what that is because by the way the Packers literally ran you over in the run game. I mean, so it wasn't to be better against the run, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And, you know, Danilo was always a really good run defender in Zim's scheme. Very good. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's not necessarily what you want him thinking about all the time, but – I I was concerned with how much Green Bay ran the ball, how how well they were able to run it, you know, Uh, especially if you're going to play the Giants uh, in the first round, because that's exactly what they want to do.
1: Yep. And at the end of the day, it's a crime against humanity to have Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter being used like this, where uh, this is a hot take. And I think I've mentioned this before on previous episodes. I think after the season's over, even if we win the Super Bowl, knock on wood, uh, I think, (laughs) we need to do one of two things with Daniel hunter you either yes. need to beef him up and put him inside and have him become a defensive tackle more okay. like an aaron donald type like a five uh, tech.
0: Oh, okay, even, okay.
1: Or, or, or maybe even five technique but yep. like you are moving him inside if you're going to maintain our scheme if we're going to be I, a three four defense he's going to be a defensive tackle i'm Good. thinking
0: like william mcginnis richard seymour right yeah, in the exactly. Patriots scheme okay yep yep,
1: yep. but or, you're prioritizing getting them their hand in the dirt um, yep. or you trade him for two first round picks
0: right because
1: right. I think mm-hmm. he is not worth the cap hit uh, and even the emotional toil you're putting on Vikings fans to have him back off into coverage. Because mm-hmm. really, he wasn't big enough to play defensive tackle, so they had to put him at outside linebacker. And in this scheme, the out- outside linebacker backs off into coverage. That's yep. really what happened here, right? Now, yep. Zaveria Smith can do that a lot more effectively, in my opinion. A little bit smaller than Daniil he, Hunter. And but he's got like, more speed. he to do one of those two things. Yeah, and, he, exactly. and he's been
0: doing that, yeah. That's, he's exactly. been in this type of scheme his whole career. Daniel's it's his first year in, in it. Right. Correct. So,
1: yep. yeah. so I think one of those two things need to happen because even Daniel Hunter's build, I don't think is really an outside linebacker. Maybe correct me if you would disagree, but I feel like I'd much rather have have him bulk up and pull him inside and be a, a defensive tackle essentially, or trade him for two first round picks and I, then use no, that to go replace him.
0: 100% agree with you. Um, I'm thinking quickly of two teams again. Uh, let's diverge to an off season podcast episode uh, talking point here. Um, the two teams that come to mind immediately in terms of front office fits to make a mm-hmm. deal like this happen are yeah. Denver, because Ooh. George Payton is there. George Payton. Yeah. Although I don't know that he Daniil would be a scheme fit in Denver. I don't, I don't know. Um Yeah, they're still uh, but, a 3-4, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that might not be great. Uh, but they're gonna have a new head coach. So ah, they may be fair. a four-three team. Uh Seattle. John Ooh. Schneider yep. has has history not just with the Vikings, but Quasi comes from the Niners and so you got some maybe some some things that cross there. You've got a 40 front uh mm-hmm. even man front there, Pete Carroll, and I think I think the Seahawks could use some help on defense. So, how about Seattle with a first round two first round picks send Daniel over there and you get a couple firsts. Got it. Yep. I'm sorry. And but, I don't think we're going
1: to be able to afford him next year considering how many other people we have to play or uh, yeah. to pay. So, I wouldn't I, be against that considering how he's being used right now.
0: Uh, you know, and I, it's weird to be sitting here being like, oh, I should probably trade Dalvin. I should probably trade Daniel. I think a lot of fans are like, geez, they're trading away all of our good, like, we're 12 <laughs> and four guys. And I get, I know, I know that, but you yeah. can't just count on doing this over again next year. You gotta, you know, you gotta be changing and evolving. And you gotta, yep. this, you know, these are holdovers from Spielman and Zimmer, and that doesn't make mm-hmm. them bad. In fact, it's a big reason why they're good, but mm-hmm. um, you gotta do this your own way. And if you're going to be a three-four defense, I just don't see Dalvin, or I don't see Daniil being on the on the team unless you do what you said, guys, You bulk him up and continue to cross train him, and then eventually solely train him to play inside. So, in fact, um, he's anyway. done
1: well when he's played inside. Yeah, like when oh, going against guards. Like I mean, yeah. he's done very very well in the past, well, especially Andrew Zimmer.
0: You'd figure in a pass rushing situation, it's a huge advantage to him to go up against a guard less athletic. You know, yeah, there's mm-hmm. less room for him to operate, but he's going up against a a, a physically inferior athlete, uh, mm-hmm. going against a guard. So, um, yeah, definitely some things to clean up there uh, on the Vikings' defense, not just for the Bears game, but for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who uh, were the worst graded players for the Vikings on defense? Oh, oh you went through them, the two edge rushers. Yep, and
1: third? Shannon Sullivan. He graded oh, yeah, out at a thirty-six point six. Bummer
0: for him playing his former team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that might've been part of it. There's too much emotion. Um, but, to yeah. to paint the color, uh, blue in the sky, uh, not many teams do have a great, uh, cornerback in that position. When you think about the, the, the slot cornerback, yeah. I mean, can you name many teams that have a good cornerback in the slot position?
0: <laughs> yeah, not anymore. I used to be able to name more of them. You know, I think the Vikings had a good one when they had Munderland. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, I in thought he was too. very good at that, and yeah, I mean, I can name some from the past. Winfield was really good in the at that position, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in and you know, I, I yep, I, I remember preparing for games um, when I was still with the club, and I'd sit with PA, and we'd fill out the other team's depth chart and our depth chart, and just prepare for the call. It was always the way starters are listed is it's four linebacker uh, in a, or four defensive linemen, three linebackers and for uh, secondary players, but like, we mm-hmm. always would go and watch tape if we didn't know, or mm-hmm. always denote who the nickel corner was, because mm-hmm. the way the game has been evolving, the nickel corner is on the field more often than, than your third linebacker, you know? Correct. So, yeah. um <clears throat> so the nickel corner is always an important player to identify, and consequently, it's an it's an important player to have on, on your team to be good in that position. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't, I don't think the Vikings are horrible there, you know. But no. um, I don't think you've got something that you're really proud of at nickel corner right now. So correct, yeah. yeah.
1: And if I'm gonna have to pick a, a weakness on my team, because every team has a weakness, it's just a matter of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, when you choose a strength, you also inversely choose a weakness. Where yeah. like, you only can have strengths in so many places. Um, I'd maybe want it in the nickel corner pe- position. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, maybe a middle linebacker if you're. You know if you're having to pick but like it's not towards the top of the list in terms of positions that have to be good
0: yep and it's pretty rare when you go into a, a matchup and you're like we don't have a nickel corner so we're screwed here it's pretty rare you mm-hmm. might have done that against the saints when they had marquise colston mm-hmm. right yeah. like that yeah. might have happened to you um the colts when they had dallas clark you'd probably feel like you're in trouble if you don't have a good nickel corner there because he was a tight end but he really was like a third receiver played on yeah. the slot a bunch. Um, so yeah, I I kind of agree with you there. If you're good at corner but weak at nickel, I think you're fine with that. Or good at safety but weak at nickel, I think you're fine with that, right? Yeah. And if you have a really good pass rush, you can be fine with that too. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. In the uh, Yep, that's right. Um, anything else defensively before we move on? No, that's a wrap. All right. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the Bears. I mean, it's Nathan Peterman, Justin Fields uh, injured, so Nathan Peterman's going to start. I know it's at Soldier Field. I know it's cold. Uh, but with the quarterback situation being what it is, won't surprise me if the Vikings win this game, uh, even less surprising would be if, uh, they win the game and it's inconsequential. So, uh, I'll be curious to see what O'Connell's, um, strategy is with who he plays and how, and how much those guys play, um, any insights, uh, any hunches on, on that topic.
1: I have a hunch that we're not going to play many starters. Um, okay. because like you mentioned, more than likely, it's not going to, Uh, Linus one way or the other when it comes to seeding. However, if there is not optimal progress when it comes to Kirk Cousins and Chris Reed, I expect those two to play a little bit more during the game to simply get live reps uh, to make sure that he's prepared to play in a playoff game if necessary. Because even if Bradbury comes back, Chris Reed will now be our second string center. So you got to be ready. Correct. Yeah. So I think that might be something they want to test drive as much as possible. If
0: you're going to do that, Giles, I think you got to keep Derrissaw out there too then. I
1: would venture to say as well. I mean,
0: yeah. I I don't think you want cousins out there with a without Darasa, do you? I mean,
1: I don't. Yeah, I think you're right. Because then then you're you're asking for an injury, and that's a much bigger yeah. conversation. Uh, yeah. I completely agree. So, no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I, I was going to move on to a bigger uh, picture topic. What did you have something on this? Uh,
1: lastly, is Justin Jefferson? Yeah. Do you play him?
0: So, are you going with like where is he at for the record and all that mm-hmm. stuff, right? Or two thousand yards? I don't know, man. I mean, that honestly, you do not want you do not want <laughs> the inmates running the asylum here, right? Like, but I would go to the player and really gauge the player's mindset on it. I would I would factor in what the player wants into my decision. I'm not saying I would let Justin Jefferson make the decision, mm-hmm. but. If Jefferson says to me, yeah, whatever, coach, I, eh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll take another run at it next year. I want to be, uh, let's get ready for the Giants. I, I'd sit him. But if he said to me, like, I don't know, it'd be kind of cool. Or if he's got some big financial incentive to get there and you want to do right by him, I'd factor that into. So I feel like I'm riding the fence. So I'll get off the fence and say, if we were making this decision as a committee and it was time to vote, I would not play him. That would be my vote.
1: I would tend to agree with you because he is uh 229 yards away from hitting 2000. Oh, and that's okay. a big game. I mean, yeah. technically plausible. Um, but if he was at like 105, I maybe would be leaning slightly more in the other position, yeah. but 229 is hard to ask for. Well,
0: especially if you're thinking about sitting cousins, right? So
1: correct. Yeah.
0: I guess it's a package deal and, and I'm okay with playing him. like, like, Practice all week like you're gonna start, go through pre-game warm-ups like you're gonna start, start the game, play whatever one series, two series, twenty plays, whatever you want, and then pull them. I'm cool with that. You know, because yeah. now you go through the motions, you stay sharp and all that. Um, so so maybe that's a good little compromise. Yeah, you're yeah. not gonna get Jefferson the record, but at least you kept the guy sharp and and in game form.
1: Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that's important to try to keep him sharp.
0: So The game is not entirely inconsequential because if the Vikings win and the Niners lose, the Niners host the Cardinals. If that happens, the Vikings are the two seed. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is a big deal because you will then host a playoff game. Uh, Mm -hmm. If if you win the first round, you will also host the second round, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of going to San Francisco, if you beat the Giants, then you go to San Francisco. In this scenario, where you won and the Niners lost to close the season, you're hosting San Francisco, which is a much different ballgame if you're the Vikings. However, that would also mean that you would play the Packers if the Packers beat the Lions. Um, or I believe the Lions would be the seventh seed if they win, correct? If they if the Lions make it, I think they would be the seventh seed. So if, you... if the Lions win, they need the Seahawks to lose. Right. But they would be yeah. the seventh seed, right? Correct. Yeah. So... Right. I don't know. I mean, I think you'd rather play the giants than the lions or the Packers. Am I, do we agree with that? Or is it more of a toss up maybe than I'm letting on?
1: Uh, I completely agree. I'm just trying to decide what's more valuable playing a harder, a harder team in round one, but securing, uh, uh, home field advantage for round two, uh, obviously that, if you don't make it out of first round. You're okay.
0: screwed. Okay. So very good point giles and I would rather play a harder opponent in the first round, knowing if I win, I'm at home in the second round, than play an easier opponent in the first round, knowing I'm going to be on the road when I beat that easier opponent. I, I really would. So, Especially the
1: variance between someone like the lions and the giants. They're fairly similar in my mind, yeah. in a lot of categories, yep. they're different teams, but like they scare me an equal amount. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Where different matchups. Sure. But, uh, I think both are winnable games. They don't scare me like, oh, we're going to get trucked. Yep. Versus if you have to go into San Fran, in San Fran, no that thanks. scares me.
0: No thanks. I but. also think that if we're going to make the Packers and the Lions these monsters in our minds, I think San Francisco has to too. Because um, mm-hmm. if San Francisco loses, then we're getting in the second round. We're still at home and we're getting the Cowboys or the Buccaneers. Okay. So I think that's something to think of too.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. I'll
0: hear that. Yeah, I'll yeah, hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, scoreboard watching definitely in play, uh, as the Vikings try and figure out, uh, where, well, they know where they're going to play, but who they're going to play in the first round. But, um, spoiler alert is that I think it's like a 90 some percent chance that it will be the giants at us bank stadium in the first round of the playoffs, uh, a rematch of a game a couple of weeks ago and not one that I would say will be a blowout or, or anything like that, but I think the Vikings will be a four or five, six point favorite, something like that, you know, um. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm guessing I'm going to predict them to to win that game uh, when we uh, when we have that week's Wabcast 2.0 episode. So, but we will see. Uh, we normally do like score and game predictions. Um, I, I don't know that it's worth doing it here for this Vikings Bears game. We it's don't know dope. who's going to play. Uh, <laughs> it should be a win either way. Uh, but really, it's all about getting healthy and gearing up for that first round playoff game. Um, so. Um, that's going to do it here for episode 17 of the Wobcast 2.0. Great stuff from Giles and Chase as usual. And again, we'd be remiss not to mention one more time before we go, um, all we want to send all of our best to DeMar Hamlin, uh, to the bills and to the Bengals and to everyone, um, who was involved in that and saw that, uh, and it's weighing heavily on their minds. Um, so first and foremost, we want the best for DeMar Hopefully we get some really good news uh, on that front here this week, and then we can enjoy another fun weekend and the last regular season weekend of football in the National Football League. So uh, for Giles and for Chase, I am Wabi signing off for now. Episode 17 of the Wabcast 2.0 is over, but we'll be back next week, and we hope you join us and continue listening. You can find the Wabcast 2.0 wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts google play apple Podcasts, spotify we are on youtube at wabi on twitter is where you can find me and tell me about all my opinions and how they're wrong and they stink or if you like them uh we love that conversation so we hope you engage with us there as well you can email the show the real wabcast at gmail.com for giles and chase this is Wobby signing off for now skull vikings